0: Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: Good morning. Everything's coming up roses in October in South Australia. Good morning, John Lamb.
2: Good morning, Deb. Good morning, gardeners. And the burning question, is Adelaide's reputation as rose capital of Australia at stake? Will the roses of Adelaide be in bloom in time for next week's rose extravaganzas the world convention is being held here in Adelaide at the convention center and so is the garden expo that'll be at the expo uh, 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 building and so uh, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, speculation about whether the roses will be looking at their Mm. best and the person who's going to tell us that of course is uh, president of the national rose society uh, Gavin Woods from here in South Australia he's a rosarian extraordinaire a go-to person when we have rose problems and he'll just explain uh, what's going to happen, why you should get excited about uh, the convention and in particular the expo and why you perhaps should actually pay a visit to see what's going to happen there. Later in the program, for citrus growers, there's a lot of concern about citrus gall wasp, and there's an effective spray, but the spray needs to be applied before the wasps begin to emerge. When will they emerge? And uh, if they do emerge when it rains, what happens to the wasp, and in particular, what happens to the spray you put on before they emerge? And uh, we'll talk to entomologist uh, Greg Baker, and he'll have some answers there on that particular issue.
0: Lots of questions uh, on roses. If you have one, for our Rosarian Gavin Woods, and we're so blessed in South Australia to have so many eminent Rosarians. He is your man. We've got him for a few minutes, so call in now with a Rose question on 1300... Triple two eight nine one one three hundred triple two eight nine one. Certainly I've got some roses blooming in my garden at the moment. They're looking good? They are looking good actually. Um I didn't do a very good prune this year. I did the quickest prune I could in my <laughs> limited time, but they are looking they are looking lovely.
2: I have a rose I have a garden and it's t- too shady for roses, so Aww. I don't have a rose.
0: Oh, I feel for you because I love my roses and I get so much
2: pleasure from them. We've got I walked in the this morning in uh, into the studio, and before you get to the studio, there's the ABC kitchen, and there's a lovely vase of rose, and just the look of looking at a vase of rose and smelling the roses, it just got me excited for this morning's program I know, so was... if I sound a little bit over the top it's probably the smell of roses. It's
0: the power of roses and that was a beautiful gift from Kelvin Trimper of course, another great South Australian Rosarian who brought in this morning um, Henri-Anne Debray who is the um, President of the World Rose Federation who's already in Adelaide and looking around at our gardens. So we will speak to Gavin Woods in just a moment but 1300 222 891 is the phone number and if you'd like to send a text through we're happy to receive them. Penny says they're Blooming in Hawthorne, then you can do that zero four six seven nine double two.
2: Next week we'll see Adelaide, the Rose capital of Australia, hosting the 2022 World Rose Convention and at the same time there'll be an international rose and garden expo. And uh, certainly I reckon the Rosarians, the people, the Rio really keen rose lovers, are they're ready for this event and getting quite excited. But the the issue from uh, a lot of people's point of view is, will the roses be ready in time? Let's take a look at uh, what Gavin Woods has to say. He's our national president of the Rose Societies of South of Australia, and uh, a wonderful uh, supporter of ABC Talkback Gardening. Good, good morning to you, Gavin.
3: Good morning, John. Good morning, Deb. The <laughs> roses are looking fantastic, John. Wow. But I think the, fir- the first problem we need to solve is I'm sure there's somewhere in your garden we can grow a rose. <laughs> so we need to sort that out fairly quickly.
2: Yes, well, maybe I think uh, one of the, the miniatures in, in, in a container. Uh, I've got a sunny front garden, uh, and what I do is I grow plants in the front garden in containers, and when they're in flower, I put them out the back on show. So maybe there's a, a, a new trend emerging.
3: <laughs> uh, roses will grow very well in containers, John. There's no excuse. Right. OK,
2: so the Roses of Adelaide, they're going to be on display um, next, next week or this weekend. And, and so we're talking about a world convention and also an expo. What's the difference between a convention and an expo? And what are they both about?
3: Well, John, the convention is really for the season Rosarians. So once every three years, the World Federation, which is our peak body, um, hosts a convention somewhere in the world. And Adelaide, about seven years ago, was lucky enough to win the bid to run that convention. So that's a week of lectures and tours. And we'll be inviting uh, delegates from about 30-odd countries of the world to come to Adelaide and appreciate our roses. There's certainly an opportunity for the public to attend, so we have day registrations um, and I'd encourage people to look at our lecture program and see if something interests them and they're certainly welcome to attend.
2: Most of the roses that are grown in Australia uh, have been bred overseas. Uh, there's uh, some wonderful breeders of Australian roses and they're starting to uh, make them, uh, uh, their roses uh, uh, being featured. But as I say, most of the roses come from overseas. What can we tell the roses, rose breeders and and the rose industry of the world about Australia?
3: Well, John, Australia's got fairly unique growing conditions, as you can probably appreciate. So a lot of the European roses uh, don't do that well in Australia. And you would be aware we have a trial grounds in Adelaide where we trial uh, new introductions. So we test them to Australian conditions. But uh, certainly the Europeans are keen to get into the Australian market. As you said, there are uh, an increasing number of good Australian breeders who are releasing great roses specifically for our conditions. So... Um, yeah, the overseas introducers need to know what they need to grow to meet our market conditions.
2: Adding sitting in on some of those lectures of what uh, what's the take-home messages coming from the overseas for Australian breeders and and the Australian industry. But let's look at it from the a gardener's point of view, and that's where I suppose the expo and the uh, Rose and, and Garden Expo It w- w- probably has got considerable appeal tell us a bit more about what's going to happen there.
3: Well John the Expo starts uh, at four o'clock on Friday um, and runs through till nine and it's open both on Saturday and Sunday from nine until five and that's at the Convention Centre.
2: Adelaide Convention Centre which is on North Terrace.
3: That's right. Yeah, so many got... people
2: may have probably not been there. It's a very uh, it's, a, it's a very imposing building and probably a little bit daunting and people are a bit frightened to, to go inside but it's brilliant.
3: <laughs> oh, it's a fabulous venue John. We've got uh, two massive halls uh, overlooking the River Torrens so there's great access to the Convention Centre by public transport I mean it's right next door to the train station um, and you can catch a bus or a tram up North Terrace and it's really easy access. Okay. Uh, so, park, parking also underneath. But, yeah, look, is, John... It,
2: go ahead. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, the activities uh, that we want to know about.
3: <laughs> yeah, our main, our main focus is, of course, the roses. Uh, we'll be staging the National Rose Show there. So you'll see the best roses from all over Australia competing for our National and World Federation Awards. Um, there'll be massive floral displays... John, we're getting, uh, we've been lucky enough to get 10,000 cut flower roses donated from uh, Meon International.
2: 10,000 um, roses. That's a lot of roses, Gavin.
3: 10,000 roses. Um, 8,000 of those are coming from Kenya um, and o- over 2,000 from Tasmania. So they're going to provide a massive floral display. It'll be an absolute spectacle.
2: Just coming back Um, to the the fact that you said that the uh, Rose uh, Societies will be putting on uh, their competitions, and I do believe that uh, there's a competition for home gardeners. They can bring along their own rose.
3: They can, John, up until 3pm on Saturday. So people attending the convention, we encourage them to pick a lovely rose in the morning, make sure it's nice and clean with all the leaves left on it, Keep it in water, bring it to the convention. We'll have uh, members there to help you stage the flower and it will be judged by a celebrity judge in the afternoon with uh, really substantial prizes on offer, John.
2: And you can say, that rose that I put in the expo, I won an award.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. What a pity you're not growing roses, John. (laughs) You could have won something. (laughs) Uh,
2: uh, Well, I can't win everything, Gavin. (laughs) Yeah. So, t- okay, John, keep on going. Uh, There's lots of other activities. So for kids, you know, what's available there for kids and uh, entertainment yeah, so, there?
3: So Nature Play, um, which is a, a well-established uh, not-for-profit, South Australian company, um, are running children's activities for us, uh, so they're entirely free. Uh, the kids will be able to make seed bombs, uh, which they can take home and plant in the garden, um, and bee hotels. So they're they will be there all day Saturday and all day Sunday, so that's absolutely fabulous. Yes, I'm very impressed um, with
2: the number of speakers you're going to have, so there'll be speakers running through the expo virtually each day.
3: Yeah, yep. so we've got a fabulous line-up of speakers, John, international uh, national speakers and local, talking about all things, of course, roses, but uh, composting. Um, we've got a fashion parade, which will feature rose design um, and that's on saturday and sunday we're running that twice um sophie thompson will be there talking about companion planning but there'll be something for everyone in the speaker's corner running on the hour every hour and there
2: there is a cost to get in uh, i believe
3: yeah we're uh, it's only twenty dollars to get into the expo john um and for twenty dollars you can spend all day there so we we Think it represents great value for yes, money. Yes, there'll be
2: a lot of trade uh, displays and things like that. So a lot of people, you can just talk roses. Um, and I need Oh, the other. Uh, Deb wants to sort of.
0: So. Oh, I was just going to say that it, children under 14 are free, which is fantastic. So oh, if you idea. love your roses and you want to get your children involved, you can take them along with you and they've got all of that nature play there. Um, Jean from Albert, Albert Park rang, Gavin, and um, I've seen the amazing uh, program for the World Rose Convention, but as you said, that's for very serious rosarians. Is there a um, program that's been put out for the Rose and Garden Expo? Jean would like to know.
3: Yes, that was published, I think, yesterday, Deb. So um, it would be available on the convention website. It's also on our Facebook page. So if Jean likes to get onto the Rose Society Facebook page, the um, program for the Expo is published there.
0: Wonderful. And if you'd like to see the World Rose Convention, uh, there are some amazing people there as well. So if you're a serious Rosarian, have a look at that also.
2: Yeah, well well done to the Rosarians of Australia for uh, being able to bring all this uh, and centre it on uh, Adelaide in particular. And I'm sure it'll be a tremendous event and it starts on uh, later this week and, and goes next weekend. Uh, but I would like to talk roses and, and rose gardening, if I may, Gavin, just very, very briefly. And normally I'd be saying, what about the aphids? You know, they're causing mayhem and... If you look at most people's gardens, they're as clean as I've ever been at this time of the year. What's going on?
3: I agree, John. I saw very few aphids uh, a few weeks ago, but the only aphids I'm seeing at the moment are mummies, which means the predators are doing their job. Um, I don't know why we've got so few aphids. I suspect it's because of the cool cool season we've had so far, so they may well still be on the way but the predators are active. Yes, so that's uh,
2: great news. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think it was a late season last year, uh, last autumn, and that allowed uh, the aphids to survive, and that allowed the predators to munch them up. And probably there's a bigger population of predators out there. And uh, so the roses are coming. Uh, uh, the aphids are flying in. This is my theory. Uh, the roses are flying in. It rains, they get washed off, but the uh, uh, the predators can hide from the rain, and so they're there waiting for the ro- aphids to come in. <laughs> That's my solution. But the important thing, I suppose, is if you do have a problem with uh, aphids, don't use an insecticide.
3: No, hold your nerve and the predators will do their job.
2: Okay. Black spot, is that going to be a problem this season?
3: I think it will be in a week or so, John. Um, To be honest, the black spot uh, has been fairly minimal to date, which has surprised me. I thought with all the moisture around, we would have lots of problems. But I think the next few days are going to be um, pretty conducive to promoting fungal disease, so I'd be on the guard for it.
2: This morning's guest is Gavin Woods, uh, President of the Rose Societies of Australia. We're talking... Conventions, expos, and rose gardening, and I'm sure there's a question or two there. To...
0: There certainly are. So we'll come to your questions in a moment. I think Mariana from McGill would be very happy to hear um, that she's been hit by a black spot. What you just had to say, then, Gavin? Uh, thank you for your texts on this. Uh, I have to say that uh, Larry says visiting Carrick, visited Carrick Hill this past week, and the roses there are blooming. Uh, Ville Gardens, looking a treat, wonderful effort by the gardeners, says this texter. Monica says, my beautiful roses have opened. And this texter, quite rightly, says, can't talk about roses without thinking of the extraordinary Dean Stringer, who recently passed away, of course.
2: It's just a wonderful authority on roses. and so willing to share it and... Uh yeah, well, a lot of people are going to miss Dean Stringer, including me, and Talkback Gardening listeners.
0: Absolutely. We will come to your questions in just a moment. If you've got a Rose question, we've got Gavin Woods with us. Just for a few minutes, jump on the phone, 1300 222 891. Talk Fat Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: President of the National Rose Society of Australia, Gavin Woods, is our guest this morning. Rhonda from Highgate is on the line. Now, you've got some black leaves there, Rhonda.
4: I have. I have a very sad... Oh, good morning, all. I have a very sad-looking rose that I hard pruned uh, earlier in the year and it has three other roses around it and they've all come out the flowers are blooming and it's beautiful the one that i'm having a problem with is actually looking like it's still hard pruned it's got very small buds coming as in flower blo- uh, leaf floods buds but they go black and one of the stems looks like it's got this sort of black creeping death going down it and i've uh, sterilized my secateurs and pruned it all back so that what's left looks okay but it still seems to be progressing down one particular stem and the little the new leaves that are coming are starting off okay but then they go black and shrivel Mm. do i have to take it out what's
3: your Mm. thoughts there gavin well ronda you sound like you've got a fairly sick rose there um look as john says without seeing it it's it's going to be difficult to diagnose but All I can suggest you do, Rhonda, is to cut it back very hard. So I would cut it back way past where it's dying back. Um, Maybe some soil uh, stimulant. Um, Certainly don't feed it. Just uh, stimulate the soil, lots of water, and keep your fingers crossed.
2: Yes. Rhonda, could I just ask, is it likely to be wet feet? You've got heavy soils there and a bit of water coming in?
4: Uh, no, this, it's a relatively new garden but the, the rose itself is old so it's all been put into a very raised garden bed and the other roses, and last year it was fine and I know it's wetter this year but um, it is well drained so I don't think that's it. Yeah,
2: no, I have I've, done the... No, go back the, to what Gavin was saying, uh, it's probably something happening with the root system or the, the plant itself and as he suggested cutting back hard it might grow away from the problem and if it doesn't it's time for a new rose, oh, I reckon,
0: Gavin. Yeah. Rhonda, give it a go. See how it goes. Sam from the Mid-North, you've got some yellow leaves on your iceberg, roses.
2: Uh, good. Yes, I do. Um,
0: um, oh, I Sam, don't... we can't hear you there. You need to find a better spot. Do you want to try again? Nope, he's disappeared. <laughs> Sam will have to come back to us in a moment. Now, uh, Kayleen from Bellevue Heights, hello.
4: Oh, good morning, everybody. Um, I have a bug on my roses this year, and it's chewing the buds. Um, now, it's not aphids. We've had aphids before. Now, the um, roses, we've got two of them. They're in enormous pots. One is a carpet rose, and one is um, a hybrid. And this bug is chewing buds on both of them. It's a long black looking bug with I've got a photo in front of me. Six legs, um high long antennas at the front. It's got yellow stripes <laughs> and it's black.
2: <laughs> there we are. Seen one of those lately, Gavin? <laughs>
3: Over to you, I think, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't
2: do that. <laughs> I've just tossed it
3: to you. <laughs> oh, uh, well, the the best uh, the best treatment for bugs is the thumb and forefinger treatment. I think you grab them and squeeze them hard.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. If if something's eating the the buds, often you uh, you can see a critter there, and and uh, you think, oh, it's a nasty looking critter, but that's not the problem. Um, I think probably at this stage when the buds are opening, gavin uh, light brown apple moth, a little cat a little gr- a green caterpillar can be quite a problem. A quick comment
3: ad, ad, absolutely they are, and another thing I've noticed a lot of this year John are earwigs they're quite prevalent and they love to chew buds. Um, normally, when you've mulched your garden well, the earwigs uh, come along with it. Sure. Oh,
2: absolutely, yes, we're going to have a, a plague of, of earwigs and uh, certainly uh, we'll be featuring that in the Good Gardening newsletter in the next couple of weeks Just uh, uh, the, the problem that's there and uh, what to do with it, but mm. uh, we'll put that one on hold too
0: Okay, we'll have a, have a listen in on that one please uh, Beck in Victor, you've got um, five rose bushes in your
4: garden, but they're not going so well Uh, Good morning, Mr. Woods, Mr. Lamb and Debs. Yes, I've had five rose bushes. We transplanted them about three months ago. Mr. Lamb said um, that they could be sitting and sulking. I haven't got any new growth. I've done everything, sea soil, the fertiliser, good potting mix, everything, kept the water up. But all I'm getting is uh, three feet of uh, dead, dead weeds next to them, but I'm not getting any growth on the roses.
3: So, Beck, are they moving at all? Have you got any any new growth at all?
4: I've got nothing, Mr. Woods. Absolutely nothing.
3: Well, please call me Gavin. I get very uncomfortable, <laughs> Mr. Woods. Um, so you've only you've only got the hard prune wood from winter, have you? No, no, yes, that's- no. no you, hmm. Well, I think it's um, probably almost too late. Um, I'd, look, I'd be scratching the bark of the wood and seeing if you've got green material um, under the bark and if the rose is still alive. I guess if it is, it's just a matter of persisting. Um, I wouldn't do anything special other than water them. If, if the... Uh, when you scratch the bark back, you encounter dry wood, I think it's uh, too late. It's beyond hope.
0: Uh, look, we had a call. Thank you, Beck, for that. Um, we had a call earlier about the dieback on that rose, and I think you know you're a little bit pessimistic, Gavin, about its future. Now, someone has texted through UTPA, E U T P A.
2: yeah. UTPA. is it that yeah, dieback on the rose? It's a dieback. You get that on uh, say and things like that. Um, could that be? It? It, it could well be, but I mean, uh, without seeing it, uh, and. Uh, what Gavin has suggested is cutting it back. It'll mm-hmm. either grow away from it, or it won't. But uh, yeah. the actual uh, diagnosing the problem is, is, is very, hard very on the radio.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth is in Gawler. now. Often we get weeds growing in our garden unannounced, but you've had some roses, Elizabeth. Uh, yes,
4: um, I've had. I've got three roses. I didn't plant them. They've just started mm-hmm. growing. And I just wondered whether the birds have come in and put them in my garden.
2: Have you got fairies at the bottom of your garden, Elizabeth? Probably. (laughs) What do you reckon, Uh, Gavin?
3: Gee, how lucky can you be, Elizabeth? Roses without Uh, having to plant them. Um, Did they start out as as tiny little plants, Elizabeth, do you know? Or did they just suddenly sprout sprout up a great big shoot? Um, Um,
4: No. There was nothing in there before; they just started growing, and you know i 've kept yeah. the weeds out, and um, I thought, oh, hang on, that looks like a rose so i 've sort of left it, let it grow, let it grow and
3: it's, well of it's course a rose. ro- roses will grow well from seeds, so it 's quite possible birds have bought a seed in um, <laughs> I thought the other option is that there was there were roses there a long time ago, and there's been some roots left there, and they've, uh, you know, they've sprung to life at a later stage. No, but
4: no, this it's is more, um, more uh, likely
3: the bir- More likely the birds have brought seed in. So just enjoy yeah, them. No. Yeah. yeah,
4: Well, this is um, just um, it's new garden soil that's been brought in. So, um, and okay. it's been several years since I've since it's happened. So, um, oh yeah, okay. Well, it sounds like it's ro- uh, birds that have brought it in then.
0: Yeah. Well, enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy Elizabeth, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for calling in. Um, Thank you. Uh, Our final call on roses with our special guest, President of the National Rose Society of Australia, Gavin Woods, is from Pete in Moorfoot Vale. Hi, Pete.
1: Hi, guys. Um, I've got roses, but I've got not an aphid in sight, but
3: lots of hoverflies. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's not a problem, Pete. No, definitely. And <laughs> oh, no, I just—I just, I just sort of
1: asked the question. Um, I've never seen so many hoverflies before.
3: <laughs> well, they'll be looking for something to eat. You better go out and find some aphids, Pete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I reckon they've cleaned them all up. Anyway, yeah. will let you know, there's lots of hoverflies here. Well, yeah, it sounds no, like
2: that's a good... an interesting observation, and certainly I've been noticing hoverflies. Uh, uh, there's just a, an extraordinary large number of hoverflies out there and uh, whether they've sort of been blown in uh, from the north or they're just sort of building up in their numbers uh, but but just be aware the hoverfly itself doesn't eat up the aphids it's the little uh, the, the juvenile stage of the hoverfly uh, the, uh, the fly lays its eggs in this little caterpillar it's legless and I think it's blind how it finds its aphids but it's 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 very very effective in cleaning up aphids and so if you've got hoverflies and the more daisy kind of bushes you can have in your garden the more hoverflies you'll have uh, is is my observation Uh, what do you reckon about hoverflies Gavin?
3: Oh I think they're fabulous John I find they tend to come in in plague proportions for just a week or two they seem to come and go very quickly, but No, encourage them by all means.
2: Yes. You live on your peninsula, and I'm just very conscious that uh, uh, the farming areas, you know, they have changed the way they farm and their use of insecticides or non-use of insecticides. And often you'll find that uh, uh, canola early in the season, it starts to get aphids on it, and they get a massive build-up of hoverflies, and then you get a northerly wind, (laughs) and it blows them into the suburbs of Adelaide. And uh, I just think it's a lovely little thing of nature.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, nature's a wonderful thing. And just
0: mm. following up from Elizabeth's uh, issue about having um, three self-seeded roses, a texter just asks, if that happens, what is the chance they will flower the same as the mother plant, Gavin?
3: Uh, no, they won't flower the same as the mother plant unless they're a species rose. So the roses you see flowering on the side of the road, particularly in the Adelaide Hills, seed from those plants will be true. But all our garden roses are heavily hybridised, and seed from them seed from them produces a unique variety. So Elizabeth may have something very special.
0: Okay, Joan from Adelaide has just sneaked in before we're losing Gavin Woods for the morning. Joan, good morning. Uh,
4: good morning. I, I was actually going to ask. Well, I didn't want well, to take up the Rose guy, guy, Gavin's time because then I was going to ask John Lamb, but I. I'll, I'll say it quickly. Um, hi, everybody. I've heard it said that glyphosate kills anything that it touches. Uh, through no fault of my own, my neighbours sprayed my three miniature roses with glyphosate approximately two months ago. One still has a large green stem. Should I take a cutting? And if so, how should I do it, etc.? Thank you.
3: Yeah well glyphosate is absolutely fatal to roses. Um, if they were sprayed two months ago and you still got green growth I would just leave the rose alone. Sometimes you're very lucky and some roses will recover. I wouldn't take a cutting from it just look after the plant.
2: Gavin Woods it's wonderful having you on the Talkback Gardening program and uh, I'm sure that uh, the work that that you and your Rosarians have put together in putting together the convention and the expo uh, will be paid in a lot of excited gardeners going to both events and coming away and saying, oh, wonderful, wonderful. And so thank you very much for your contribution this morning, Gavin.
3: Thank you, John. Thank you, Deb.
0: Thank you, Gavin. And just before we let you know, Sue's been having a look around on the Rose Society site, says she can't find the Rose Expo program, but you say the Facebook site is the best place to go, Gavin?
3: Facebook site.
0: Okay. great. Excellent. Thank you, Gavin. Gavin Woods, President of the National Rose Society of Australia. And um, if you get John uh, Lamb's Good Gardening newsletter, all you need to do is to have an email address and it will arrive in your inbox every Friday morning. It will have lots of information in there.
2: Yes, and there's a direct link to the expo information, all the information you're likely to want. That'll be in next Friday's one. And also I'll include uh, just the gardens. The gardens around Adelaide, uh, there are a large number of them that feature roses and so we'll put in that list of uh, gardens in Adelaide, community gardens in Adelaide, that are well worth looking from a rose point of view.
0: Wonderful. We will come back to your general talk about gardening calls in just a moment. If you'd like to ask John a question, call now on 1300 222 891. We'll also catch up with our entomologist, Dr Greg Baker, and find out what we need to do with citrus gall wasp with a bit of rain on the way this week. All that ahead. Talk Fat Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: Raylene from Victor Harbour joins us now about a peach tree in the garden.
4: Hi, Raylene. Hi, Deb and John. Um, My Henry peach tree's been in the ground for two years and it was really good last year, but it has really bad curl leaf.
2: And you want a miracle cure? I suspect, there, <laughs> Raylene.
4: Well, I'm not sure what to do. No. It
3: is really, really cold.
2: Yep. Oh, Henry is fairly late in, in uh, the bud burst, and uh, probably it bud burst coincided with some pretty showery weather. With curl leaf, it's a curl leaf problem. You've got to put on your protective spray before the buds open. Now with a lot of people with their peaches, uh, the fruit buds opened, and uh, much earlier and they uh, often you don't get any curl leaf and then the later buds open and you you get showery weather when the late buds the little sort of leaf buds uh, come out a little bit after the fruit buds, and you'll often find that that gets a curl leaf but if you leaves have got curl leaf whether it's the fruit buds and the leaves going around the fruit buds or whether it's the, uh, just the leaf buds themselves. If they've got curl leaf, it's too late. You can't do anything, nothing to do. You can't stop it. And I would suggest that nearly all of the buds on a, a peach or a nectarine tree now, if they're going to burst, they would have burst. So there's no point in spraying for curl leaf. The best thing you can do is fertilise the tree and encourage it to grow more leaves. And just a little PS, um, OK, when you've got curl leaf all over the tree, it probably is a fungus. But uh, if you're getting lots of puckering on the leaves, particularly on the tips, it's more likely to be aphids. So just check and see whether you've got little black aphids in amongst the puckering. And if you do, then you need to try and treat uh, that with uh, an insecticide and probably uh, neem oil is probably the most effective uh, that you can use. If you wanted to you could also use imidacloprid, Confidor flowering is over so you're not going to affect the bees.
0: Thank you very much uh, Raylene. I was remiss in not giving out the details of our competition John. Oh goodness gracious Our, Our Talkback Gardening Spring Rose Photographic Competition because as we've been saying South Australia is known globally for its roses. Adelaide is the rose capital of Australia, so if you like me are enjoying some roses blooming in your garden, we would love to give Home Gardeners a chance of winning some great prizes now. Um, we want you to send one photo this is the key this year one photo only subsequent we can't we I think last time we had a photographic competition we had we were just so overwhelmed with photographs yes. it was very, very hard to judge so one photograph, your best one, please, of a rose. Or a number of roses or a rose bush. And the best photograph will win the beautiful book, The Heritage Garden, by South Australian rosarians Kay and Walter Duncan. I've had a very good read of it. It is fantastic,
2: isn't it, John? It's a wonderful history of the rose industry in South Australia and also uh, uh, the, uh, the family behind that rose industry.
0: So it's a wonderful prize. Runners-up will receive an item of ABC Gardening Australia merchandise and back issues of ABC Gardening Australia and ABC Organic Gardener magazines. So to enter, we need your name, your postal address and your telephone number. So give us all of your details. You need to enter buy no later than uh, close of business on Monday Close of business Monday, the 24th of October. That's this coming Monday. We'll announce the winners next week to coincide with the World Rose Convention and the International Rose Expo that's taking place. If you would like to tell us a bit about your rose, we'd love to hear it. 40 words or less, please. Um, And you need to send it to the email address. Here it is, Adelaide Weekends, Adelaide Weekends at abc.net.au. You should be able to also find the details online. I'll give the email address to you again, Adelaide Weekends with an S, at abc.net.au. One entry only, please, and entry and images may be used by ABC um, on our websites and social media and in John Lamb's Good Gardening newsletter. Um, and so please don't send them in on the text line. I've been getting a few people sending in photographs. We have not had... A functioning photographic service on our text line for about six months now, so please don't send it in. It will be completely lost if you do it that way. We are speaking very shortly to uh, Dr. Greg Baker. We'll just take one quick call from June in Tapparoo. Rear Christmas Poinsettia. Hi, June.
4: Yes. Hello. Good morning. I have a Christmas Poinsettia and know your opinion on these, but I've got it inside. It's growing quite well. It's very green. Put on about four inches. Uh, it's in a, a Uh, north-facing Venetian blinds and outside eaves. Um, And I just wondered if I should either keep it inside or put it outside or just put it into a larger pot um, it's still
2: got one red leaf on it <laughs> <laughs> right well you're going to get more green leaves, and you won't get uh, any more red leaves on it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. if you can keep it going until autumn, it might sort of color up a little bit, but uh, not very significantly um, so if it's growing and it's putting on uh, new growth and mm-hmm. the leaves are looking healthy, yeah, I'd tend to sort of leave alone. How long has mm-hmm. it been in that one container? Well, since Christmas. Since Christmas, okay. Well, I think probably you could get another probably uh, six months out of it at least. It's only when you've got a large amount of growth uh, and uh, you've got a small container. And you find that you're having to water, instead of watering once a week, you're watering every sort of two or three days simply because the root system has got so big. So um, I would do nothing, just enjoy it, don't overwater it, don't over fertilise it, and uh, maybe in autumn you might consider repotting if you want to keep it inside, but it'll stay inside so long as it's getting plenty of light. If the light is miserable during winter, you might find it'll decline, you put it outside in the patio.
4: So you don't think I should put it in a larger pot now? have to
2: wait till autumn? Oh, only you can decide that. I would suggest well, that if it's growing quite well and it's not stressed. if a plant the, the plant will tell you if it needs repotting, mm. it'll become stressed. It will need more water more often and okay. uh, the leaves will stop growing uh, looking dark green. They'll go pale yellow and uh, they're oh. indicators that your plant needs repotting.
0: June, good luck with that. Well, we have got a cloudy weekend, John. We've got some rain expected this weekend and throughout the week. Where does that leave us with
2: citrus gall wasp? With citrus gall wasp, that's that little uh, gall that's on your citrus tree. And inside that little gall, there are dozens, probably hundreds of uh, little baby wasps waiting to emerge. Now, they're all going to emerge over a relatively short period. And the way to control citrus gall wasps is to spray your tree before the wasps emerge from the galls. And if you can do that, you can put on a protective spray on your tree. The wasps come out and you've got a protective spray on your tree and the leaves and the branches and the wasps can't lay its eggs. It's the end of the story for wasps because there's only one uh, generation for the year Now, you've got to get your timing right. You've got to put the spray on before the wasps emerge. Thanks to the citrus industry, uh, citrus gall wasp program, we can tap into when the wasp are going to emerge. And thankfully, uh, Greg Baker, who's the entomologist with Sardi, is very good enough because the information from the citrus industry is for the Riverland. And Greg looks at that information and converts it to Adelaide and surrounds conditions. So good morning, Greg Baker. When will the wasps emerge or start to emerge?
1: Uh, good morning, John. Yes, as you said, we, we're using a temperature-based model for predicting the timing of that spring emergence. And for this year, using the Bureau of Met uh, uh, springtime temperatures, we, um, it looks as if somewhere around the 31st of October would be the commence, likely commencement of the um, you know, emergence of adult wasps this, this year, which okay. is a little later than last year by about four days and about 10 days later than in 2020. So
2: the weather is obviously having its significant effect and that's the advantage of the model that the industry are using and you're able to adapt it to South Australian conditions. So we can say, righto, on the 31st of October, the wasp will start to emerge. Now, how long does it take before all of the wasps come out of their galls?
1: Well, again, that is temperature dependent, but on average, it's probably over, you know, uh, three to four, well, four weeks or so. Um, And, uh, um, you know, hence um, getting the timing right with that first spray, but uh, equally with a, a follow up spray, perhaps around about a fortnight after that first application, should then ensure very good uh, protection. All right. Uh, not, so, th- yeah, not absolute, but certainly. No, much it's a wonderful
2: guide, though, to put on action. before the 31st, and then uh, they reach a peak two weeks later. So, two weeks after the 31st, around about the 14th or 15th of uh, November, you put on your second spray. But the dilemma, uh, Greg, of course, is next weekend, and if my little weather model is correct, it's going to be wet next weekend when the. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, wasps emerge, and even during the week, we're going to get some rain. So, if you spray today with kale and clay, uh, will it still be there when the wasps emerge?
1: Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> there, there'll be, yeah, look, it, it will depend on the intensity of the rain. Um, it, just a, a very light shower, if that's some hours after you've made the application and the application has, has dried and adhered, that probably wouldn't have too great a, a, a negative uh, Effect, But, you know, if it was a torrential uh, rain, which perhaps in Adelaide conditions, you know, something like 15 millimetres or something, it might have paid to just wait to that uh, system had passed and, and, and apply your treatment to the, the day or so after that um, that uh, heavier uh, sort of downpour. OK, well, Greg,
2: very uh, it, it's very rare do we get more than 10 millimetres at a time here in Adelaide and surrounds. Maybe the hills is a little bit different. But, OK, so if you can get your spray on um, and it dries... um, And you can do that this weekend. You get a sort of five or six hours of dry weather. Put your spray on. It it should be there and should be effective when the wasps start to emerge next weekend. Correct. Okay. And we're talking about kale and clay, uh, and uh, that's available from uh, garden centers. Uh, Why kale and clay, and why not use something like a, a horticultural oil? Is that effective?
1: Look there is um certainly um, some benefit from from oil uh, treatments as well, but um on the based on once again industry uh, citrus industry supported research done by a colleague in New South Wales uh, four or five years back it it was evident in those field Trials at a commercial scale that the kaolin was giving the highest order of control compared with those alternatives.
2: Yes, okay, so kaolin clay uh, from the trials were over 90% effective, and I think the oils were about 70% effective. But uh, would kaolin clay stick better than an oil, do you think, or are they pretty well the same?
1: Oh, i 'd say pretty well the same i um we we actually don't have much evidence either way, but look Kaelin certainly seems to adhere well once you know one. As with any spray treatment, once it's dried, it seems to have pretty good adhesion. uh,
2: And the feedback I get, those that are using kale and clay as a means of control, really are uh, getting rid of citrus gall wasp almost completely, or uh, certainly getting the numbers down if you've got a heavy infestation. Um, So there it is, there are the sprays that need to be placed on. Um, Is there any value in increasing the concentration of the spray so that it might last a bit longer? Or might not get washed off.
1: Yeah, no, no. Look, I, we no. you get much greater benefit by um, you know a follow-up spray rather than increasing the concentration of that first um, application. So it strongly it, it just stick with the. the the label recommendations on these proprietary products uh, using the rate recommended, but with that follow up at around about uh, two weeks um, after the, the initial treatment.
0: And just on the text line, Frosty says spray with pest oil for gall wasps. My Washington is still in flower mode. I think not.
1: Well, that's a good point. Yeah, there is certainly phytotoxicity um, associated with uh, different oil um, spray formulations uh, and, and that phytotoxicity can be, quite acute at that flowering time. So, that, so that's a, that's a very, an,
2: very valid point. Yeah, yep. so another good reason for using kale and clay. It's not going to affect... Yes. Uh, yep.
0: And Jane from Bowdoin asks um, uh, this question to both of you. Do you need to spray citrus if you don't have galls on the tree?
1: No. Um, well, uh, John, do you want me to... Uh, yeah, please I, do. I, I, go, right, look, go. I, 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 I wouldn't um, no. if you start... Yeah to, you know, um, for whatever reason the the wasp starts to appear in your garden, well, I'd then uh, become proactive and start, but I'd I'd wait till you start to see some evidence of galling. Um, You know, you might suffer a little in that first year, but then be prepared in that following year to to take this action. Um, But, yeah.
2: All right, and one quick final one, Greg. Uh, um, There are other insecticides, and people have got cupboards full of insecticides, and they said, oh, well, why don't I use some of those? Why shouldn't you use an insecticide to control citrus gall wasp?
1: Two reasons. One is they are um, based, once again, on that New South Wales uh, field research. Um, They're generally not as effective, in fact, as this uh, clay uh, treatment. But secondly, most of those have much greater deleterious you know effects on on beneficial insects and bees so you know it's a you're neither getting as good a control but you're having um you know much harsher impact on uh, the good insects so yeah i, I you know we, we strongly advise um avoiding those
0: and just a question without notice greg completely off topic but matt from Gola asks and it may not be your field um are we likely to have plague locusts this year
1: Oh, look, it's certainly not my topic, yeah. but um, <laughs> look, there's, there's, um, you know, Persa are actively involved in, um, you know, the, the early stages of a, a locust uh, campaign response because there certainly are locust hatchings occurring in um, some of the um, southern parts of the Flinders and, el- and elsewhere. So um, there is, uh, look, the, the full the, uh, I guess the full severity of, of this particular outbreak is is still being determined but there's, there certainly is a risk of, um, of some locust activity in different uh, districts of South Australia this uh, this spring.
2: Good information there Greg and we'll certainly be monitoring what PERSA are doing and that starts in the inland and they sort of keep on working towards the city um, and uh, if there is a threat to agricultural districts or the suburbs we'll certainly let you know. But yes. thank you very much, Greg Baker, entomologist extraordinaire for the wonderful op- uh, service you provide to talk back gardening from time to time, and in particular on citrus gall wasp. Uh, it's greatly appreciated, Greg. Well-
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Greg. Uh, lovely to have you along as always. Greg Baker, Sadi entomologist, always with some fantastic information for us. Yes,
2: and it's important that, I mean, Sadi is there to look after commercial uh, fruit uh, gardeners and uh, and also uh, agriculturalists, but uh, uh, it's nice that people like Greg with wonderful expertise is willing to share that with uh, uh, gardeners, uh, even though we're not commercial. That's right,
0: home gardeners indeed. Uh, speaking of home gardeners, gardeners who love to get more information. I've got an ABC um, Gardening Australia magazine, the last October one to give away, and a back issue of ABC Organic Gardener magazine. If you would like to win them and you haven't won anything from our station in the last month, then please call now on 1300 222 Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: Uh, John, on the text line, this person asks, will a very fine mesh cover prevent the wasps from accessing the small citrus tree?
1: Yes,
2: you can buy mesh which is fine enough to control insect attacked, so if you can access it through a garden centre. If they don't have stock it, ask them to get it in for you. It's certainly available. And then the thing is to be able to put it over your tree so that you can actually uh, prevent wasps um, from escaping. But it, it, it's one of those situations where normally you put a uh, uh, Mesh over the tree to prevent attack from outside. In this case, the wasp will be inside. They'll be, they're in the galls and they'll, they'll, you need to trap them so that they can't get out from where they are and they can't then reinvest the tree.
0: Our own Susie Ramone says, I saw some citrus gall wasps emerging on Thursday. So some places they're coming out of their galls.
2: Yeah, and, and so, uh, I mean, these are the, the approximate dates, and so it's it's got, I think, a, a 5% accuracy that uh, most of the, they will start round about the 29th, mm. but there'll be some little smarties if you've got a nice little warm spot in your garden, lots of sunshine, uh, there's no reason why they might start to come out, and so, again, eventually, the last of the wasps are due to sort of finish round about the end of November, and you might find that in early in December, there's still a few coming out but if you can control most of them you're ahead
0: congratulations to john from tea tree gully and joan from adelaide who won our uh, magazine prizes today our last caller this morning is pauline from west beach pauline uh, you want to consider transplanting a lemon tree yes good
4: morning that's correct
2: so give us a few details there pauline
4: um, yeah, so it's um, about 15 years old. It's um, on that west beach, so it's in very sandy soil. It's about 2.5 metres high. It's still producing fruit and flowers, but I think it would do with some sun. It's been overgrown by a big tea tree. It's been there for a while, so I'd like to move it if it's
2: worth doing. So what's the growth on the tree like?
4: Um, well, it's a little bit um, unhealthy looking. It's sort of got some bare branches, but on one side bear at the other side towards the sun, it's got lots of growth and lots of green, green leaves and lots of flowers.
2: Yes. Well, if it's well established and got a decent kind of a root system, uh, it can withstand competition from a, a tree. And uh, if uh, you're finding that uh, there is a bit of root competition just by uh, producing what I call a cut-off, uh, you, you make a trench between your citrus and uh, the tree that's causing the problem. And you go down probably about 30, 35 centimetres and make a trench there and cut off the roots from the tree, that will give you extra time. Otherwise, if you wanted to move, you could, but I wouldn't I'd be doing it yet. I'd be waiting probably another two or three weeks. Um, when, and you need to take as much of the root system as you possibly can. Don't disturb the roots uh, if you can possibly uh, do that. And when you have done it, you'll need to chop the tree back by at least 50%. And uh, you may, if we're going to get some warm weather, not that I think that's likely, but uh, uh, if we've got, say, very high temperatures, you might need to uh, uh, put some kind of uh, covering, shading over the tree on very, very hot days after you've cut it back.
0: Thanks, Pauline. We'll have to leave it there because time is against us. We have the 10 o'clock news coming up very shortly. John, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. Don't forget to enter our photographic rose competition Adelaide Weekends at abc.net.au. Look at John's Good Gardening newsletter for more details or online here at ABC Radio Adelaide. And
2: spend some time at the International Rose Convention and Expo at the convention centres. And until next week, I'll say good gardening.